she looks all right, but she's gotten pretty good at putting on an act. There's this thing she does with the real lobe. Truth is, I've been protecting Renee from afar for 24 years. I may have lost my touch a little when it comes to engaging with humans. You've never spoken to her in all those years. It's not just a rule, it's a code we live by. No connection. I'm a ghost. It's the best way to keep her safe. And who is watching over you? Strange new takes. I'm your host, Nach Karnig, and finding out that we're all test tube clones are. Bill Woywad. And Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we're covering season two, episode six of Star Trek Picard, two of one. And this is the part where I remind you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's the way you can find out when our new episodes drop. Also, we'd really appreciate if you could spread the word about our podcast, tell your friends about it, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy what you're listening to. And if you don't, well, why are you listening? Uh, So you really only have two options, either give us that rating or stop. (laughs) And this is the part where I give you our spoiler warning. Uh, So we're going to spoil the episode that we're talking about, obviously, but might also touch on like any other Star Trek in the entirety of Star Trek canon. So be warned. (laughs) And as Emily mentioned earlier today, we're talking about two of one, the uh, the sixth episode of the second season of Star Trek Picard. It first aired on the 7th of April, 2022. It was written by Cindy Apple and Jane Moggs. It's directed by Jonathan Frakes. I think I've heard that name before. And the in-universe date is 2024. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. With the help of Talon, Picard and crew infiltrate a gala on the eve of a joint space mission to protect one of the astronauts they believe to be integral to the restoration of the timeline, Renee Picard. Corey makes a startling discovery about her father's work. Man, that last sentence just kind of sits there. It's got no relation <laughs> to anything. Anyway, uh, we always start our episodes with our strange new takes. And this week, let me start with my strange new take. Um, which is going to be a little controversial for any golfers listening in. I am a golfer as well. And in the golf community, this week uh, of the year is kind of revered as Masters Week. Everyone just like lets go of everything in their lives to watch the Masters. I don't. I actually don't respect the Masters very much. The Masters is just one giant branding exercise. It's a stodgy country club that clung on to like outdated gender and race roles for a long time the course has birdsong piped in the sand in the bunkers is actually gypsum that is trucked in a lot of the flowers and stuff had to be brought there as well it the course looks nothing like it looked when the club opened and it's just its exclusivity and the fact that they have these cute green jackets that makes it special so yeah forgive me i don't really respect the masters very much i mean good for tiger woods and what he's doing like you know no competitive golf for 500 days and the man comes back and makes the cut like that's pretty respectable but like it is no better than any other golf tournament as far as i'm concerned so there um and i want to say in my star trek take i just appreciated just how much emily and adam last week riffed on the whole battlestar galactica thing because again this this week we see uh you know uh caprica six go off into the sunset (laughs) at the end of the episode looking for i don't know gaius baltar or something (laughs) Is it that? Uh, sorry, the actor who plays Baltar looks so much like uh, Bashir. I, I, I yeah. you know, I really no, couldn't believe that there were two different people for you know. <laughs> He's just the the like guy with uh, British guy with longer hair at times. Uh, what's his name? Let me let me look up the actor. I know. Name. I need to look him up now. I used to know this like by heart back in the day when I used to watch this I uh, show. It's Same been a while. Here. Uh, James Callis. James Callis. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled strange new takes. Okay, now I need to look at him to remember if he does. Yeah, he does kind of look like like Bashir a little bit. Bashir has, or Bashir, 
uh, Alexander Siddig has such a unique nose, though, that like it's, I don't know, there's something just, not very many people have a nose like his. So anyway, okay, let's see what my strange new take is besides um, Alexander Siddig's nose. Um, so my life strange new take, what would it be? Renovation is stressful. We've been renovating our church and um, well, we've, we have paid some people to renovate parts of the church. And the whole goal was to get in by Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday. And I can't tell you, we are like, <laughs> so, oh my gosh, the lights were supposed to be finished installed or they were supposed to finish installing the lights last week. They still haven't arrived. They're supposed to arrive on the 12th, but there's no guarantee, you know, because of all the, all the hit problems that are happening in the world right now, you know, so good times good times so if anyone's listening to this and they just want to send good vibes for you know our lights getting installed <laughs> i know that's like such a first world problem right but we're so this is going to be our first normal worship service since before the pandemic like we're wow. switching we're switching to masks optional um because yeah anyway we've been worshiping in the fellowship hall for the past few months we are gonna have bulletins again and come forward for communion it's gonna be so exciting and now we're like oh my gosh please tell us that we have all our lights okay so yeah there's my first world problem for the week <laughs> um and my strange new take on the episode is props to Allison Pill. She's got a nice singing voice. I was talking before the podcast about how it frustrates me when they um, cast roles with because of the name of the actor and they want, you know, to get all the, you know, whatever. And then they can't really sing that well or they dub over their voice. And I'm just always really excited when there's an actor I like and I find out that they have a pretty great singing voice. So. Okay, um, so <clears throat> orbital mechanics is uh, really counterintuitive and like really interesting. If um, you know any of our listeners are are really into space nerdery, you should definitely read Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson because like the way orbital mechanics work are like totally different than like jets flying around in the atmosphere, and that's usually the way it's depicted in like fiction, including Star Trek, but it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, for example, this is really cool. Um, you can start on a moon of Jupiter and perform simply by performing slingshot maneuvers around other moons, eject yourself out of the Jovian system. Right, you can nice. like okay, cool. just drop from like Ganymede to Callisto and then sh shoot out of the uh, system. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, this episode I thought was like, in my opinion, the weakest so far this season. I still thought it was pretty good, or it was watchable. I enjoyed it, but it was it was a little slow for me. It felt a little bit like a mid-season kind of filler episode. And I'm also really, I really want to know more about like why Q is doing what he's doing. I think it's time for them to start revealing revealing that gradually we did get over the hump of the season in this episode i think right 10 episodes am i right yeah. on that yeah so mm. there's only four left yeah so um well let's let's jump into the story and writing the first thing to talk about is that we had this chronological back and forth where for the like first three commercial breaks you saw picard heaving away at on some table or like everyone worried and then it was like 36 hours later or earlier, and and then we got a flashback, which I think the first time worked for me, but the second two times was like, oh, what, what's going? On? Why why are we back here? Let's just let's just keep rolling with the story, you guys. <laughs> well, it was like thirty six minutes, I think. Like so, it right, 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 it, right The right, conceit right. Exactly, was even a little exactly. smaller. No, I'm just thinking because usually there's a bigger, you know, that's usually how they do the things, but it was like only thirty six minutes. You're like, wow, a whole lot is going to go down in this really short amount of time. Right, right, exactly. Um, so anyway, we, we started with this thing, but it didn't, I mean, I guess it is as silly as it was, maybe it didn't really interfere in the episode very much and it didn't have like huge ramifications. This wasn't some memento format, like groundbreakingly different storytelling style. Um, but we started off with the spy mission, um, you know, Mission Impossible happening again, as Emily referenced last week. Uh, everybody's dressed in a tuxedo and, um, no weird pimp hats like the 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 weird cloud city thing that happened last season um i 
I don't know. It's been a while since uh, since Star Trek had some good old fashioned like you know gadgetry intrigue James Bond style. So I I was kind of all about it. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was fun, and it's also it's kind of nice to see um, the actors get to be in a different kind of setting. You know, like a very stylized. Um, not sci-fi stylized, but like, you know, a gala kind of, that's always fun to see. Mm-hmm. It also told us a little bit more about Gerardi's relationship to the Borg Queen now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more, yeah. Did you, did, w- w- Bill, what was your like reaction to finding out that they're both in there? Yeah, I. so it wasn't, after last week's episode, it was not clear to me that Gerardi like intentionally let the Borg Queen infect her or whatever, but it's revealed that she did so that basically so that they're able to pilot the Serena back to their, mm-hmm. you know, home time period. Um, I don't know. I Do I find this compelling? I mean, Gerardi, I feel bad for Gerardi. She's always getting like her mind taken over by some uh, <laughs> and, and turned into a bad guy against her will. Um, do I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's also like clearly foreshadowing that Gerardi is the Borg queen from episode one. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, my expectation at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's fine. I guess, d- depending on how they develop it or what course it takes, it could be more or less interesting. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting to see the tussle between them this episode as well. I, I felt like the first of all, it's kind of weird that nobody's noticing this lady just talking to herself during a gala. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she just has a little, you know, she has AirPods and she's talking on the phone. Right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. There was actually a really famous commercial in India in the mid '90s, and I've tried to find this on video, and I can't find it anywhere. This was like a groundbreaking commercial where, when cell phones first came to India, they were pretty big, just like everywhere else, but our switch away from like brick cell phones was really fast and there was this Motorola flip phone that came that was supposed to be so tiny and so this it, it opens with this like middle-aged man sitting at a restaurant with a blazer and this really pretty lady like starts asking him, like hello how are you how are you and, and he's like me like he's pointing to himself and and they start talking and then he like and she's like yeah why don't you come over and join me and he like gets up and he like walks over to the table and as he walks over, she looks up and says, one cold soda, please. And and like he's a waiter and she, you can see the phone that she's holding in her in her hand is really small so that you couldn't see it from the other side of her face. <laughs> and it's kind of like, that's what you just reminded me of, is that Alison <laughs> Pill was just talking a really tiny phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone else assumed. Um, but anyway, that uh, that commercial was like, it, that line we at school would say to each other every day, the last line of the thing. Anyway. <laughs> Pop culture references that like nobody listening to this will get, but I had to do that. Okay, hey, I'm sorry. maybe there'll be a few, so you maybe, never know. Maybe we're really big in India, everybody. We're really big in India. <laughs> um, but anyway, we quickly go over to Talon and Picard, where some pretty interesting stuff is revealed, especially in the subtitles, which I wasn't watching with. Were you guys watching with subtitles? I always watch yeah. with subtitles. Yeah. So did you catch the stuff that came up with Talon? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, because they said that one of the things, like, I can't remember which point it was, but she says something in Romulan. At least that's what the subtitles tell us. Um, and, you know, so, well, no, I'll, I'll bring that up later. Never mind. Yeah, definitely an important Easter egg. And I, I actually, like, had to pause it and replay it. Um, and does she actually, like, sure. speak Romulan? Because I didn't catch this until I went back and looked it up online. I mean, I'm not a Romulan speaker, so it's, <laughs> a, it's hard for me to say definitively. But if I were just listening, it's it, to me it sounds more like a like a filler word, or she is kind of she's like scrolling through her pad or something, and she's like, you know, it sounds yeah. like something like that to me. But in yeah. the subtitles, it says speaking Romulan, which is certainly done deliberately, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Fun fact: my um, father spoke. Vulcan at my wedding reception at the end of his at the end of the toast he said live long and prosper in Vulcan and my father is not the Trekkie in the family it's my mother so as far as like the kids are we're we're Trekkies because of my mother not because of my father (laughs) can confirm that Emily's mom is very opinionated about Star Trek having talked to her about it once um (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, that's, I, see, this is not, this is the thing that I don't know how I feel about. Like, I was just assuming again that Talon was taking a form that Picard and the others found familiar. And I did not, like, I don't want her to be Laris. Like, literally, yeah. she, like, falls in love with Picard and then stays <laughs> for, like, 400 years, like, waiting for him to, like, come, like, grow up. Like, can you imagine, like, Talon watching, like, young Picard be like, mmm, get older and then we can fall in love. Like, <laughs> it's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and, you know, so here, this is, um, so there are people theorizing different things. And it's so interesting because the show... I think the show must be pretty aware of what questions people are going to be asking as each episode is revealed, because obviously the show was filmed and in the can a, a while ago. Um, so it's not like they would hear what we're saying and then like throw in little mm -hmm. things to kind of address it. Right. So um, uh, one of the things, so and Lar not Laris Talon says something about Q that, um, what did she say? She says something like, maybe, maybe, maybe she's not supposed to be on this flight to Europa. Like maybe right. Q is trying to convince her not to do it because she's not supposed to be. And what happened to skew things is she did go. Um, but then also, I mean, there, there is, the, I don't know what Q's end game is. And, and I don't, I, I can't quite figure out, um, I don't know what he's trying to do, but it, clearly it seems like he's missing some of his powers. I mean, we didn't see him at all in this episode, but he kind of hangs over the whole thing, right? Um, but that's what makes me wonder if um, people are planted in this past because Q put them there. You know, like mm -hmm. like that's why there's Soong who looks just like Data, and there's Corey who looks just like uh, Sochi or Soji, and then there's. Um, Talon who looks just like Laris or, so those kinds of things I'm like I don't really want it to be that but I just don't know although I tend to by the end of Q episodes I tend to be like okay yeah that was pretty good you know so <laughs> I feel like they'll I don't feel like they're going to disappoint me but um, I'm just curious how they're going to how we're going to find out about what what Q is trying to achieve so, so what you're saying is that Q was planning this elaborate prank, but then he lost his powers, so now he has to like analog <laughs> make his tomfoolery come to pass, so he doesn't actually like screw up Picard's future. For maybe, real. maybe because it's mm. like so. Someone made the comment. I I just I listened to a few uh, Star Trek podcasts, and I remember someone making the comment like, I don't know if they thought that maybe Q was trying to make Renee disappear or blink out of existence or something when he's sitting on that, um, that outdoor eating area, you know, the very first episode that we see Renee Picard, where she's reading a book and he's kind of narrating something and he goes to snap his fingers and nothing happens. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it's like, so clearly he was trying to do something in that moment. It didn't work. So now he's mm -hmm. having to go about and do it a different way. Um, but it does seem interesting that he wouldn't want Renee Picard to, do the Europa mission because somehow Renee Picard ends up in that part of the solar system anyway if she discovers a life form on Io. And so, you know, so, but maybe it isn't this time and Picard may not right. know exactly the year that his ancestor went to Europa, you know, just knows that at some point she did that or. Because they lost the records of, mm -hmm. of the, the like stuff that happened before World War Three. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I think that's, a, that, that's pretty compelling. And I, I like it as a sense of like, because it, it makes Q into a, like a, a person with a conscience. <laughs> like he's like, oh, I don't want to screw this up for real. Um, there was also a reference in Talon's conversation about whether she is from a species that evolves into the Q. That's what that made me think of as well. Is like because oh, because they're also kind of like everywhere. So is she like a proto Q? And uh, I think that might be one step too far. But I I just remembered that that was a vibe that I got as well. Mm. Yeah. So a few a few um things to comment on. So I I think uh, Sung and Corey. Or just going to be the the answer is just that it's like you know it's Soong's ancestor right. and they look the same. I mean, right. Data or Brent Spiner has played like seven different Soongs at this yeah. point. They just you know it's like their ancestors, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I but I think there is and has to be some kind of in-universe explanation for why Talon looks like Laris, right? And mm -hmm. I agree with you, Notch. If if it's just like oh, it's just Laris who just like went back in time to like look watch after Picard, right? You know, not not super compelling for me. In terms yeah. of this idea that like maybe 
is trying to do the thing that will preserve the timeline. It, you know, it to me, it maybe I'm kind of traumatized from season one, but you know, the whole thing with season one where it's like the the Javash, is that what they were called? And like mm-hmm. Picard is trying to stop them. And but then at the end of the season, it turns out that they were like basically right. Like the Javash, you know, were maybe right. kind of evil or whatever, mustache twirling, but they were basically right. And so Picard and the gang were kind of working. It's, it's I found it to be very deflating um, as, you know, as a fan. It's like they were almost working in futility or were just kind of like confused and disoriented and all their efforts like were in vain, right? Or actually like... Mm-hmm running counter to what what they should have been doing so that it would be kind of like that again you know if they if picard was just like kind of didn't have the whole picture and was basically working at cross purposes with what you know it's, as, as a fan i just find it the whole idea to be kind of off-putting <laughs> yeah picard's whole like later life is going after wrong things <laughs> right <laughs> so he's just like confused he's just yeah <laughs> and and for for the record by the way brent spiner has now played nunian sung the old version and an illusion version and a hologram version he's also played eric sung uh who i think is the guy from enterprise who's yeah. like the geneticist who makes the um those little children in that one episode so it's, it's like three or four episodes in enterprise season four mm-hmm. then he played alton inigo sung who we saw last year and then he, he's playing this soon which is adam soon who makes an appearance pretty much right after picard and talon's conversation i think it is i actually don't feel bad about this soon's appearance because we're finally getting data playing or brent spiner playing a irredeemably evil character or at least what looks like just a hardcore evil guy like like I think Eric Soong was this like smiley evil guy. Alton Inigo Soong was kind of morally ambiguous. Lore is kind of like funny or whatever. Adam Soong is just a serious villain. Like he's got like, he's not like some jokey, funny dude. And so we're getting this like very dramatic performance and I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I thought, so last week, this is, this, I found this really interesting about how Brent Spiner is playing him. So last week's episode, I thought mm-hmm. he truly loved Corey. Like, like, loved her like she was his daughter you know i mean like i and i appreciated the way brent spiner was acting any of those parts that were about his daughter or with his daughter there was just a difference to how he was playing the character than we've ever seen him do in any of his previous iterations of whatever of assume or data or lore or whatever um so i appreciate that it was just nice seeing a different layer to brent spiner's acting this episode, I really don't know that he loves her. Like, I really think he loves himself and his ego. And so, I mean, it was just, it was kind of shocking to go from how I was seeing his character last week. Like, yeah, clearly he has an ego and and that's dry. You know, you got to have some ego to be doing this kind of work, right? So clearly that's a part of it, but he still, he loves his daughter, you know. And, and then this time I was just like, oh man, oh gosh, wow. Like, <laughs> it yeah. does not feel like that's what's happening you know and let, let's let's jump into the Corey thing because we're, we're kind of there already so um we we find out of course that she is one of a lot of copies uh it's by the way one of my favorite copy uh, comics that i've seen is there's a comic where uh, princess peach asks mario why do you keep saying it's a me mario and mario is like because i am a one mario in an endless sea of marios and then he just opens a door to like a ton of test tubes with like all these naked marios like sleeping in the water with like tubes hanging out of them so i'm just it's a mario that's why i keep saying it's a me mario uh, <laughs> so anyway uh cory gets to find out that she is it's a cory uh mm-hmm. and she has other sisters by the way did y'all catch all the other names of her sisters yeah, they're all Greek kind of. Well, at least some. I mean, Persephone and anyway, I was catching some there was, of them. There was, there was, there was, there was six of them. Mm-hmm. Seven or five of those are Greek goddesses, and then mm-hmm. there's one who is a Prosperina, who is a Roman name for Persephone. Oh, okay. Okay. And and I I haven't yet looked up if Kore or Kore K O R E is is significant um, in a particular way yet. Um, well, I did have the, I was pondering 
original I, Greek. Oh. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no. Just really going to finish the story. It's the original Greek form of the modern Cora, uh, and it's a girl's mm. name meaning maiden. Okay. Mm. So, um, I haven't finished watching. I started watching the Ready Room. Haven't finished it, so I don't know if he answers this because uh, one of the questions that Will Wheaton asks Brent Spiner is if he feels that um, Soon loves his daughter. Like it feels like he loves her more than the others like there's something you know and i'm basically what the what i've heard him say so far is i think he loves himself and his ego and his achievements you know like that's the that's the main thing that's driving him but it does seem to me we did not see any of the other iterations of um you know this genetic i I don't know clone or whatever that Mm -hmm. that he made that reached her age so it seems to me like Corey could potentially be the one that has survived the longest. And so there could be some, you know, warped love there just because he's seen her. Because it seemed like all the other pictures they were showing, she never got past childhood. Well, um, we don't know the age at which she, like, g- g- the rate at which she grew. Because he, his face also, the Soong character didn't, like, seem young when he was talking about some of those. And Corey seems like she's at least maybe, like, 17, 18 years mm-hmm, old. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I mean, 20 years takes some time out of a person's face. And it didn't <laughs> seem to for Brent Spiner. We know, at least with Star Trek and last season of Picard, they can't de-age people. <laughs> so, uh, like But he did have a dark beard for all of He all had of the brown those. beard. You know, okay. so and and he doesn't have that now. You know, so that's right. how they're showing the passage of time from those all of those videos that she saw Fair to enough. now. Fair enough. Um, also, by the way, Corey, another name for Persephone, who is the goddess of the underworld, abducted by Hades to to hmm. rule the underworld with him, hmm. who briefly returns to the surface, but then goes back to the underworld. Uh, I don't know anything more about Persephone that I can draw on for some deep cuts about what the plot might be, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, oh, where, like, I'm with you, Emily. I think I I have now changed my opinion of Soong as being concerned about the success of his experiment rather than the life of his daughter. Um, and and I, I it's, it's a very complex portrayal from Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. I will say that when he first walks in, I found a little bit of his performance to be a little you know like when he walks into the the room and he's like it, it seemed like he was reading dramatic lines to to isa briones um but when he comes in at the end of the episode when he's a yeah, little disheveled yeah yeah. yeah 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 uh but i think most of it was pretty good and uh so i'm kind of glad he's there i was kind of like when when i heard that he was going to be playing another soon i was like ah, i don't know but i think overall i'm, I'm happy uh, the the review, Corey's reveal a little cliche for me, like finding files on the computer, like I, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least they could have had her like walk into a cemetery where every gravestone has her own face, like that would be you know. Dude, that was super corny. <laughs> and then and she like it all clicks in her head when she uh, sees the quote somebody calling him a mad scientist. It's like dun dun dun, <laughs> like mad scientist. It's like oh no, I didn't so- know he was a mad scientist. So this is the thing that I wonder. Um, so, uh, all uh, not Alton. Um, Adam Soong is the statue that's in the San Francisco Bay Harbor or whatever, right? In the future, in twenty fourth, whatever, in in the Confederation future. Um, and it, doesn't he say something to the effect of like? humanity being greater than all other i can't remember what it is that he says but he's he clearly it's a humans humans first um you know right uh make earth great again kind of thing and um so it seems to me that he could be what causes that future like there's something about about Adam Soong that needs to be stopped or changed mm. or because the direction he's going and like, I mean, his ego and um, the experiments and stuff that he's doing, I could see that if that spirit takes hold in, you know, 2024, that could lead to, I don't, I don't know, but. Well, it, it is, it is. And he's specifically seen as a eugenicist. So that that's a pretty, yeah. I mean, I think, we can draw the conclusion maybe that if he succeeds, we do get the eradication day 
from the bad reality so that, that those two might be linked in some way well we'll find out more next episode because you know also by the way I, credit to the guy who wrote in the episode discussion on reddit uh, Picard getting mowed down by data driving a Tesla was not on my bingo card uh, yeah you're, you're right you're right that is that does sound like kind of like a mad lab uh, for sure Tesla also making an appearance in the show The Dropout about the Theranos scandal with Elizabeth Holmes highly recommend watching that show very good last episode <laughs> dropped yesterday very very fun on hulu um another mad scientist kind of but possibly less ethical even than soong uh but you, you can make that decision on your own anyway uh we the core of this episode the real like the meat of it is the conversation between picard and renee which happens after picard escapes the the evil security guards, uh, which thankfully there weren't any scuffles. I was kind of afraid that we were going to see Picard getting roughed up and that that did, didn't happen. Uh, we don't need to see that happen to Patrick Stewart. <laughs> no, 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 we don't. Getting hit by a car was bad enough. enough yeah. but, uh, but we get this conversation with, with um, Rene Picard, uh, played by Madeline Wright. Um, and I, I thought it was, it was kind of a fun... Uh, fun scene don't you mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. it was touching too yeah i mean P patrick stewart really got to act by the way by, sorry i i apologize penelope mitchell the person who plays renee picard i don't know where i got the name madeline right from i think she might be playing something else in this show i need to now look that up apparently madeline Wright is a soccer player so who knows how that got in there okay anyway let's get back to this i think uh who, who plays picard's mom Oh, I don't know, but she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm this past season. Oh, was she? The same actress, yeah. Okay, I'm going to look this accent. up real quick, because I want to see Yvette Gissard Picard, who has also appeared on it, who's played by Madeline Weiss. Okay, that's, that's where okay. I got that. I apologize okay. for that. Now let's go back to what y'all were going to actually say as content. Yes. Bill, you were talking about Patrick Stewart getting uh, a chance to, to... To act. Yeah, I just thought it was really nice. You know, he's getting to be like old, wise, avuncular Picard and give, you know, uh, advice, but not in like a, you know, uh, aggressive way, but just in like a kind of caring way. And I thought it was, yeah, kind of warm and fuzzy. <clears throat> yeah. It was it was definitely kind of one of the more touching kind of advice scenes that we didn't quite get with with um, Soji or her sister last season. Um, Picard getting to be a bit of a mentor, and he yeah. ends with the same line his mother tells him: "Look up." Where yeah. we see, did anyone notice what 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 the what the what was in the shot when she looks up? Well, you know, it's funny. I noticed it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a cool ship. And then when I, I saw a headline and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I know that ship, because it's from the Enterprise credits, right? It's called OV-165. That's the only thing we know we knew about that ship up until it showed up in Picard. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was the ship that the strange kind of shuttlecraft looking ship that shows up in the Enterprise credits. And it doesn't she say that it has aerospike engines? Yeah, uh, something like that. Because yeah, she called yeah. it Spike, right? Or didn't she say? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a real thing, and I I won't like put you guys to sleep talking about it. But basically, it's an engine design that works with any kind of atmospheric pressure or no atmospheric pressure. So you don't need multiple stages on a rocket. You know how rockets have multiple. That's because the engines are like vacuum optimized or for. Uh, yeah. like sea level pressure so with the aerospike you don't need that it's just one like one rocket can go all the way to orbit is it only a theoretical concept or has it existed there, there are some like you know uh test engines that have been developed but it's also like there are other challenges associated with it so it hasn't been like a practical um way to i don't think any i don't know if any aerospike engine has actually made it to orbit got it there's like some cool pictures of it being tested on the wikipedia page so our, our fans can go and listen if they or go watch uh some videos of it being tested and see some pictures of it if they so choose later i think this is a good time for a break let's let's stop for a moment here and we'll be back with more about two of one so what are you afraid of i don't know where i will begin <laughs> and you found a way to live with it 
I found that even in the darkest circumstances, there is a light, sometimes only a glimmer. Trust that light. Find a way back, no matter what it takes. Your mother was very lucky to have you. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we're discussing people at work giving us Jean-Luc Picard quotes randomly. Has that happened to the two of you uh, randomly at work? All the time. Mm. And then we it's high five, <laughs> throw in a spot quote. I'm the way I, I there's like one person that I work with all the time. And I am way nerdier of the two of us. So he doesn't watch any Star Trek. I've tried to get him to watch like Firefly. And I'm like, you would like it. Trust me. It's not that big of a commitment, but can't get him to do any of that. So oh, what, wow. what we're saying is that your coworkers are making a podcast right now being like, why do my coworkers keep saying Jean-Luc Picard quotes? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, let's, let's get back to, uh, let's get back to this, to this episode where we just talked about how Picard convinced Renee, uh, his like great, great, great grandmother to, to go off to on the mission, which we've discussed as previously. Maybe she's not supposed to, we don't know. We don't know. I don't think she's a great, 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 great grandmother. I think she's like a great 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 aunt or something because mm. generally well i don't know maybe it was different in 2024 but generally it's the father's name that gets passed down not the mother's name um, so <clears throat> also she might be going on a one-way mission to io so she might mm. be like stuck and there. then maybe her brother is the great 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 grandfather of jean-luc picard or something okay okay well let's, let's this is let's... my head canon <laughs> sure, sure, sure. We'll find out. We'll find out at some point, probably. Um, well, and as they leave the, the museum section, they conveniently walk outside, which allows the conveniently placed mad driver <laughs> Soong in the Tesla to mow down Picard, uh, which kind of, I mean, I like Patrick Stewart getting a heroic moment where he bumps Renee off and like gets smashed with the car. Like, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then basically the episode kind of goes in a couple of directions. First of all, we get... Um, while all of this is transpiring, we get the Allison Bill hero moment. Mm-hmm. What would y'all think about that? I mean, again, a little tropey, but it was kind of cool. I was trying to figure out. Well, I I just thought it was a it was a much more flashy way to resolve that um, power outage. You know, because I was like, oh, I, you know, some people are going to go, I don't know, scream, whatever. But I don't know about you all. Were you worried that the Borg Queen was then going to assimilate all the people that were at the gala? That's what I thought was going to happen when she finally, you know, she had the endorphins necessary to be able to fully take over uh, Gerardi. And I was like, oh, no, she's going to assimilate everybody. Yeah, it, it, it's actually not clear to me what, what like if Gerardi is actually being assimilated, like did, you know, the, so the yeah. way it's been been depicted canonically is that there are like the nanoprobes or whatever, and they like, you know, it's basically like vampires. Um, but did they do that with Gerardi or is it just like the Borg Queen's like, you know, uh, memory engrams or something that was like imprinted on Gerardi's mind, but no, she's not. They kind of did it with that scene when right before the Borg Queen dies when she puts her hand on Gerardi's cheek and the little nodules go into her face. Yeah, but I, but when that happened, what were they actually was she actually assimilated or did she just like kind of transfer her mind into mm. Gerardi's brain or something? Right. Cuz she doesn't she doesn't look like a Borg, right? I mean, she no. hasn't turned all pasty and gray and whatever. There's no there's no implants popping out of her face right. or anything like that. That's going to happen. It's coming. Yeah. I mean, it could be. It's just not clear to me. I'm a little bit confused about what the board assimilation status is. <clears throat> right. And and we've already seen with Seven of Nine that the Borg can sing really well. So, Alison Pill, great performance of Pat Benatar, Shadows of the Night. Uh, I was actually like, I, it's, it's usually when like my favorite actors start singing on stage. I'm like, I don't really, I don't want a song in my show. Like, do we need this? And I was like, kind of jiving along. I suppose when the band kicked up, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's let's do it. Get that spotlight on her. Let's let's uh, you know it was, it was a good it was a good uh, ballad you know. Well, and so they kind of oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say they kind of in in a way set the stage for people accepting that she would 
be up there singing because there was a comment earlier about um, that she was getting a lot of attention. I can't remember if it was the Borg Queen that made that comment to her, but said something, oh, I'm noticing you're getting a lot of attention tonight. She said, it's the dress, you know? And she was like, no, it's your confidence. And I was like, no, it's the dress. But uh, (laughs) I mean, like when I was watching it, but um, but anyway, so they kind of had that. So maybe that people would just accept that, oh, well, that's what we've been noticing her. She's this, you know, performer and she just carries herself that way. And anyway. I'm just not, you talked about seven of nine. I'm just thinking about this thing with Borg having perfect pitch, right? Like, is it, is it really fair then? Is it kind of like doping to like get assimilated? And then you, you know, like in the future, like, you know, it's like the pop culture powerhouse of the, of the galaxy is the Borg, right? It's like South Korea today. Or like, hyper, or like, hyper, hyper competitive parents are like sending their kids to the Borg planet to get assimilated right, so they can like right. be better singers. Uh, like Eurovision is like all Borg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, I, um, I think the conceit of like this endorphins being the the key to taking over the or the mind for the Borg Queen, I I really kind of like that. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, it wasn't just the benevolent Borg Queen trying to get Allison Bill laid. It was like, no, I, I'm I'm trying to take you over, and that, right. that was cool. I enjoyed that kind of reversal. But that's what um, I want to know: what her end game is. Like, what is the Borg Queen gonna do? That's why I thought she was gonna assimilate people because I I thought she was gonna planning to assimilate that dude. Right. Uh, the the police officer in France that she was trying, you know, I, I figured she was going to assimilate him and then start her own little collective so she wasn't alone anymore. And so then I thought, oh, now she's, uh, you know, asserted herself over Girati so she can assimilate herself. But they didn't show that. Maybe they'll show it a flashback. I don't know. Well, and we don't know where she's headed, right? Is she, like, headed mm-hmm. to some, like, plumbing treatment plant to release nanoprobes into the water so that all of earth can be all of new york can be assimilated you know like we we don't know what's what's going on in in that Mm -hmm. final moment there so obviously we'll find out that's probably gonna be the first scene of the next episode is where where in the world is allison girardi uh or allison pill but um we'll we'll get back to that i guess when when hopefully on thursday but the other part that we ended the episode on, besides the Corey stuff, was the medical scenes. Basically, we go back to the to the doctor's um, uh, surgery Clinic, where, yeah. yeah, where Picard uh, blows out her uh, electric uh, cardiac paddles. Oh, this reminds me of something else. So, who is there when? Oh, Renee hears. Uh, uh, Rios say Admiral or something when he gets hit and he's laying on the in the ground um, after he gets hit by the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's calling him Admiral. And then, um, although I feel like the there's kind of more of a parallel between uh, the doctor at the clinic and Jillian, I can't remember her last name, in Star Trek Four Voyage Home. I feel like that's more of the parallel that we have going on than um, Rene Picard. But so Rene Picard hears. Uh, Picard, Jean-Luc Picard, be called Admiral. Um, and that's one of the things that clues uh, Jillian in the um, Voyage Home that something's up because she hears Spock call Kirk Admiral and then starts saying what the, um, you know, we would be as guilty as those who caused their extinct- extinction or whatever, talking about the humpback whales. But um, she kind of, it's the fact that he's called Admiral that kind of trips like something's not right about these guys right um anyway so we were wondering we were watching it last night if that if him being called admiral can be something that kind of peaks up the antenna of people who are involved just like the um you know the defibrillator thing being you know blowing up she's like that's never happened before i've used that a lot of times there's something fishy going on here with this dude you know what what, what transplants has he had all of them (laughs) yeah that was funny um yeah and and we also by the way it's something that we haven't mentioned so far but happened in the last episode and this one is that uh rafi keeps seeing mm-hmm. elnor in yeah. places so so they're definitely teeing off some elnor fuzziness coming up soon yeah um there's just a lot of unexplained stuff and i also don't know if we're gonna have Cristobal Rios stay in the past to like continue his romance and I don't want that because I really Mm. love Rios as a character like he's so good also you don't want the doctor to leave this cool clinic that she's doing all this good work with so that's not a good outcome either right 
so I, I love I, that. We're the good guys. The good guys never say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we, we'll see where, where things go with that particular piece. And then we have the classic, I must go into his mind, which we've seen in Discovery, where Burnham goes into Sarek's mind. Yeah. What are y'all yeah. expecting coming out of that? I guess that's going to be the next episode. I, but maybe we'll find out some more about what's going on with Laris and or slash Talon. Talon. Well, and that's another thing. So now Romulans don't do mind melds, but Romulans are related to uh, Vulcans. And so that also has that little bit of, oh, is this another tangentially Romulan aspect to Talon that, you know, they're kind of teasing out? Yeah. But she's she's all been able to capture people's minds in that one place where she yeah. was able to like talk to Picard through all those other people. So she has other powers. Also, by the way, something we didn't mention earlier, she uses a servo wand device, much like Gary Seven in um, like that the little device that she pulls out with the little antenna. It's kind of very similar to to the one that Gary Seven uses. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be interesting. I don't know how they're gonna wrap up that she's. You know, the Romulan references, but also the other stuff that she's been able to do that we haven't seen other Romulans do. Like, you know, Romulans don't just control people from a distance mm-hmm. um, in, in in Star Trek that we've seen so far. So, yeah, I, I hope it's quick. I hope we don't get a full, like, um, episode of, like, let's go into this person's fantasies, kind of like we did in the season three finale of Discovery. Like, I don't want to spend two whole episodes in Picard's psyche. Um, which, by the way, Picard seeing visions of his mother getting attacked by kind of monster-type creatures. Did y'all see this? I totally missed that. Yeah. I, after you mentioned it, Notch, I Googled it. But yeah, in, in watching the episode, I missed it. It's kind of like Picard read Harry Potter at the same time that is that he was having this <laughs> domestic abuse-filled life and so kind of mixed the two memories almost because the, the, it literally looks like Voldemort or like a Remen. Um, the monster that's like in those visions. So, you, I mean, you could you could say that as like he just sees his dad as such a monster that he's visualizing him as a as a literal monster. Um, that's possible, uh, but we just so we don't really know exactly what's going to happen um, with that. But it is kind of strange. It's one more of those unexplained kind of mysteries, which I think, like you, Bill, I'm I'm kind of getting saturated with the mysteries and I want some answers. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time. Especially now that the season three trailer has teaser trailer has dropped, so we know Picard like lives. Right. They're not bringing the entire TNG cast back to like. It's be gonna like, get resolved. It's it's a funeral season. The whole season. It's like it's like that season of uh, How I Met Your Mother. That's all at the wedding. Picard season three is Picard's funeral, and each episode is like one <laughs> character doing a very long <laughs> speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably not but so so yeah i i don't know i'm i'm kind of cautious about that whole situation with talon and picard's mind i don't know it could go in a few different places and i i mm. it could be kind of grim too mm-hmm. but any other pieces of this episode that you'll want to that we haven't covered yet that you'll want to talk about real quick I was going to say, I mentioned this in the last episode, but um, the Borg music made another appearance when, um, as the Borg queen took over Gerardi, they kind of dropped that theme from First Contact. Really? Um, mm-hmm. It's not It's not the, not the movie theme from First Contact, but the Borg theme from First Contact. They've kind of dropped it under a lot of her parts um, throughout the episode, or throughout the season, but I mm-hmm. noticed it when she took over Gerardi. So I'm, I'm appreciating what they're doing with the music. Um, this season they're kind of pulling things and they're they're really using the music to kind of tell the story as well but not in a I feel like it's in a um, subtle way for those who know the music from previous Star Treks you know did you did y'all catch that the the actual theme song to Picard is music from the inner light because I didn't know that until this week is it? Yeah, it's the music. Because so I mu- even have that on. I mean, I've 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 listened to that music a ton from Inner Light, not from. So Earth, so I'm the sure. music from Inner Light. The Russican that, flute. Not the one that Picard plays. It's the f- song that his son plays in Inner um... Light. Like there's a, there's a thing where his wife's like, you can hear him practicing like that song, which 
there are some, I can't verify this, but there are people who've said that that song actually kind of becomes a motif for Picard later in TNG. Mm. That it kind of twinkles in the background as as Picard's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's that's another musical connection um, there as well, which I didn't know. I like I just completely passed me by, but apparently commonly known. Um, all right, so. Let's let's jump into strange new ratings and give two of one a rating. Which of you wants to stick your neck out first? I I'm gonna give two of one, uh, seven of ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna write that down in the spreadsheet. I couldn't. I couldn't help it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said at the beginning, I mean, to, to my mind, this was the weakest episode of the season so far. But it's been such a strong season, and the, so the episode was fine. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to give it a, a four or five, which I think I've given lots of episodes this season that score. But I just I I'm really enjoying the episodes and the fact that they're kind of wanting me to watch the next episode. I have I don't know that they, they, they have been really successful in that yeah. um, this season. And so I'm just that, that kind of bumps up my score because I'm I'm interested in um in what they're trying to do and how the story is unfolding and more so than I have been in any other new Star Trek. So for sure, a hundred percent agreed on that. I haven't felt this kind of sense of anticipation for the next mm-hmm. episode in, in quite a while actually as well. And so that, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight out of 10 as well. Um, I started with a seven and a half, but I think you're right, Emily, that I, I, I'm enjoying it. So, uh, let's, let's stick with that. So uh, we're at the end of another episode, y'all. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emily, for joining me to talk about this wonderful uh, spy mission episode. Always enjoy being able to come here after enjoying Star Trek on a Thursday. Come here on a Saturday and discuss Star Trek with you. Yeah, thanks, Nash. Likewise. Yeah, thank you, Nash. Of course. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Dinah. And thank you, Max for also joining us as co-hosts at other opportunities on our podcast. Thank you, dear listeners, for making time for us in your week. And then also special thanks to Jishnu Guha for recording our theme music. And special, special thanks this week to, um, to Tesla for making a car that's great to mow down admirals in Star Trek. Uh, that's really the only use for a Tesla that you can find. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.